Have you read all these? Have you read all these? I like the Fifth Amendment. Welcome to episode 109 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And today, Chris is never here today. (laughs) Um, The office? That's from the office. Chris and I keep kind of being ships passing in the night. So we will both be recording the next episode of From the Front Porch. But in the meantime, we are bringing you one of our favorite annual episodes, or I guess it's one of my favorite annual episodes, um, our March Madness episode featuring my husband, Jordan Jones. Hi. Hey, Jordan. I'm back. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. It seems like we do this uh, more than a year at a time. It seems like we're doing these things quarterly. Is life just flying? or I think life's just flying. Okay. I think it's been a while. And since you have been on the podcast, it's actually we've actually added several more listeners. So the pressure is on. Uh-oh. But why don't you tell folks who you are and what you do? So my name is Jordan Jones. I am the husband in this uh, in this marriage, and uh, co-owner of the bookshelf. And I also am a lawyer. I do election law. I work for the uh, Florida Secretary of State, and that is never a dull moment. And I like um, the Myers Briggs type indicator. So I like personality typing and Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and disc golf. This is a really nerdy house. Yes, yes it <laughs> this is. This is a really nerdy house. Probably um, so. So every year since we began dating, since we met each other, since we were friends, we have competed against one another in March Madness. We both enjoy college basketball. And since we began the podcast and started owning the bookstore, we have always done the out-of-print um, book bracket that out-of-print clothing company puts out every year. Out-of-print is a great company that does these cool um, book cover t-shirt designs but in the past we have had trouble because not all of the books have we been super familiar with so those conversations often wound up being these discussions about books neither Jordan nor I had ever read so this year we thought we would do something a little different Chris, while not here in person, is definitely here in spirit because he uh, compiled the top 16 books that the bookshelf has sold over the past 12 months. So these are the bookshelf's 16 best-selling books of the past 12 months. So there's no excuse for not knowing these books. That's right. There's no excuse. For you. For you. For you as well. For me. (laughs) For you as well. Um, So we are going to hopefully have a better discussion because these are books that we're going to be familiar with. Um, So these are our top 16 and we're going to kind of narrow down today and kind of debate until we reach the hopefully best book. The champ. Yeah, the champion book that the bookshelf has sold over the past 12 months. So for those of you unfamiliar with March Madness... Sad. Yeah, that <laughs> sad is sad for you. Sad. Um, Get into it. Yeah, it's fun. You can, we'll maybe put a link in the show notes where you can ultimately download your own bracket. Um, the brackets will get started, what, in two weeks for college basketball? Next week is Selection Sunday. Okay. So, so the bracket will come out next Sunday night. Okay, so there you go. If you are, I don't know what the crossover is between book lovers and basketball lovers. Probably is very rare. You think? Um, I, I think the Venn diagram would have the bubbles way far apart. Okay. And basically you 
are in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's exactly where I want to be. Um, okay, so let I'm just going to really quickly name the top 16. Is that okay? Yep, that's correct. And then... Um, Maybe describe to them what it looks like on the bracket in case they're not familiar with a bracket. So we will post a picture of the bracket to help you visualize. <laughs> this is um, We're actually going to use this to do some voting and March Madness um, voting on social media. So you'll see this bracket posted the day that this episode goes live. But basically, down on our left-hand side, we have Magnolia Story, Present Over Perfect, Seven Brief Lessons in Physics, When Breath Becomes Air, Killing the Rising Sun, Alexander Hamilton, Tribal, Hillbilly Elegy, Underground Railroad, Gentlemen in Moscow, Fates and Furies, All the Light We Cannot See, A Man Called Uva, <laughs> Me Before You, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, and The After Party. Um, so we have pitted these titles against one another, and now, Jordan, are you ready to debate? Yes, I'm ready. This is like Jordan's favorite thing. I'm ready to debate. Not this but Debate. debating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is up there too, right? Sure, absolutely. Okay. Okay. It generally takes the form of theological or constitutional issues, but this is great. This okay. is right up there. Awesome. Um, all right. So our first um, battle is between Magnolia Story and Present Over Perfect. Are you familiar, Jordan, with either of these titles? Yeah, I'm familiar because my wife reads so, you, uh, <laughs> so I'm telling the listeners, uh, Annie reads so much that if I'm not familiar with the book because I've read it, which some of these I am, but if I'm not, it's because Annie has given me the summary and or because I have seen her emotional responses to these books because she has read practically every book under the sun. You read a lot by osmosis. I do. I read, And I love it that way. I love it that way, just digestible summaries. Um, but I, my memory about these two books is when you were reading Present Over Perfect, as I recall, you stopped reading it for a little while because it was too convicting. <laughs> Am I remembering that correctly? That's correct. Okay, let me quickly tell listeners. So Magnolia Story, you are probably familiar with, is the memoir written by Chip and Joanna Gaines of Fixer Upper fame. And then Present Over Perfect is by Shauna Nequist. It is um, a book about... I think it's a lot about saying no and, and setting priorities. Why and was that convicting to you? <laughs> no idea. Uh, but Jordan's right. I actually stopped reading that book halfway through because mm-hmm. I love Shauna Nequist, but I could not with that book. I it, At the time I was reading it, it was just too much, and I haven't picked it back up since. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so if those two are pitted against each other, what do we think? Well, my, my suggestion would be present over perfect because – I will say, um, in your defense, even though you put that book down, I didn't know if you went back to it or not, but in your defense, you have been doing a fantastic job lately, setting boundaries, saying no. It's something that Annie and I both struggle with. Uh, I just said no today. Yeah, we just something. talked about that. So um, that would be my vote, just because anything that convicts my wife is is worth <laughs> taking a second look at. I, I'm going to second that because... Shauna Nequist, I met her last year mm-hmm. um, on a tour. I I didn't go on the tour, but I attended the tour she was on. I respect her immensely as a speaker, as a writer. Her essays have made a profound impact on my life. So I'm going to say present over perfect, even though I love shiplap as much as the next person. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, next. Seven Brief Lessons in Physics or When Breath Becomes Air. 
So I'm going to definitely have to go with When Breath Becomes Air. This was a fantastic, fantastic book. I really can't recommend it enough. Why'd you read this one? Um, someone recommended this to me. Actually, my favorite bookseller recommended this to me. <laughs> it was you. Um, yeah, any, anytime Annie recommends something to me, it, it, it's, a, it's a fantastic book. But this really, I might put this up there as the most important book I read last year. Mm. It is fantastic. I cannot recommend it enough. It is quite simply about a brilliant young man who is um, studying to be a doctor. He's in med school, and he gets diagnosed with a terminal illness. And his musings and thoughts on life and death and work and medicine, it's, it is fantastic. I can't say enough about it, and I, and I would not even be able to do it justice in this yeah. brief of a time. Yeah, interestingly, so I obviously loved this book, loved it enough to tell you about it, mm-hmm. to suggest it to you. I don't suggest every book I'm reading to you, but that was one I knew you would really like. And we sold, obviously, a ton of these last year. Um the interview that Paul Kalanithi's wife did with Katie Couric is really, if you've read this book or if you've done this book like in a book club setting, that's a great interview to watch. Uh, his wife's um, note or prologue kind of at the back of the book is, um, it, it's so so thought-provoking and so emotional without ever being it's not emotionally manipulative like she's not trying to get you to feel things she's just being so vulnerable and honest um and she in her own right is quite a good quite Mm -hmm. quite a gifted writer Mm -hmm. um but he really had a gift of writing that i wouldn't have expected out of a medical doctor right the book somebody recently i saw on instagram like somebody i follow read this book and said it was a letdown and i don't she implied maybe it had been hyped up too much for her. And she also implied that as a person of faith, she didn't find it meaningful. And I thought that was interesting because you and I... I find that unbelievable. Yeah, you and I are both, um, I hope, considered people of faith. And um, I thought I thought his musings on faith were actually extremely profound. That was and, the best part of the book. Yeah. There's, a, there's a part where he, knowing that he's dying, goes into this kind of soliloquy about God and about his faith. And it is, it just is a showstopper. Um, So I am going to second that. Even though Seven Brief Lessons in Physics, I know Sterling, one of our former bookshelf staffers, he adored Seven Brief Lessons in Physics. And I think he is probably responsible for this being on our top 16. Mm. Um, That book is just a little gift-sized book, though. And if you're looking for a graduation gift or um, a retirement gift, like, it really is well done. You don't have to be a scientist um, or a physicist to appreciate the lessons um, that that author writes about. So that would actually be a great gift for somebody. Um, so I'm going to second your vote when breath becomes air takes that one for me. Okay, next setup, Killing the Rising Sun by Bill O'Reilly or Alexander Hamilton by Ron Chernow. Yeah, I know Bill O'Reilly's got a thing going here with killing everyone and your mother and you know, everything. But, um, but, but Alexander Hamilton, um, can I even say it without singing it? Alexander Hamilton. That was good. Um, just you wait, just you wait. Yeah. I'm not going to try to do that. Um, yeah. So we've been getting into Alexander Hamilton 
for the, um, past the musical. Months, yeah. And I'll be honest, because I know there are a lot of skeptics out there. I was one. When I first heard that Alexander Hamilton had been set to hip hop, I thought, oh man, they're dumbing it down. That, you know, we can't even know our history anymore. This is ridiculous. And then when I started listening to the lyrics, was so it occurred to me. You. It was, but but I did listen to it. <laughs> and and then and then but when I first started listening to the lyrics, it occurred to me, wow, th- this is this is perfectly historic and it is relevant and all sorts of people including millennials are listening with um, new appreciation for our founding fathers. And it is fantastic. And that musical, of course, was inspired by the book. Yeah, and I think... So you listened to mm-hmm. an abridged version yes. of this. And I... Man, I thought you weren't going to say that. Oh, sorry. No, okay. Spoiler okay. alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. Um, Jordan mm-hmm. listens to most of his books, and turns out he listens to the abridged version. I, I, that was an accident that time. <laughs> I was disappointed. I was disappointed that it was an abridged version. Um, I also have this one on my nightstand because my goal is to just read a chapter of this every, um, every night or every... Every couple of nights, so we'll see. Um, but I think it's pretty incredible when such, I mean, such a tome, like this book is huge. When somebody, I think the, it's not just a myth, this is true. Like Lynn manuel Miranda read that book on vacation and immediately thought, this should be a Broadway play set to mm-hmm. hip hop. That alone is astounding to me. Mm-hmm. And I love both reading the Ron Chernow work and then seeing how Lin-Manuel Miranda turned it into what he turned it mm-hmm. into. So um, I am going to root for Alexander Hamilton on that one. Yeah, absolutely. That's the correct choice. Well done. <laughs> I know so far we agree on a lot of these, which is unusual. Yeah, Alexander Hamilton is, is, I didn't appreciate him enough, but he's definitely one of my favorite founding fathers now. Now that I think I would have been in his political party back then. He's it's, pretty flawed, but yeah, he's they, flawed. All, they all were. Yeah. Um, Okay, Tribal by Diane Roberts, a local author, or Hillbilly Elegy by J.D. Vance. I'm torn on this one. I The, the book Tribal, I know, is a fantastic um, kind of look into what college football is uh, in the South, and that's really important to me uh, because I've been ingrained in it you know, before I was potty trained. Um, but at the same time, Hillbilly Elegy is an excellent book that talks about um, the current kind of state of politics, and my book club right now is is reading Hillbilly Elegy. So I, I'm I'm kind of torn. I want to see what you think. I'm going to hedge a little bit and see what you think on this one. I am going to root for Tribal. So Hillbilly Elegy obviously has gotten a ton of attention, and I am going to full disclosure confess that I have not read this one yet. It is one that I'm interested in listening to um, as an audiobook. Um, now that I'm kind of sort of getting into that, I think that one would be an interesting one. I know my dad and brother read Hillbilly Elegy and really did appreciate it. And I think got some perspective that they didn't have Mm -hmm. before. Very timely. Very timely. I'm not sure that it, I think a lot of people who are reading it now for the first time are coming up a little disappointed because the implication has been this explains everything and I don't think Hillbilly Elegy explains everything it's just one guy's perspective on where he grew up how he grew up and why um maybe the people in his hometown or in his region feel the way they do Mm -hmm. um it's not going to provide all the answers to our current political climate if that's what you're looking for that being said the reason I pit Hillbilly Elegy against Tribal is I think Tribal 
takes a memoir perspective on college football in the South. I read Tribal last year, I think last year, maybe two years ago, and adored it. I think it is hilarious. Diane Roberts is so funny, but so so nuanced in her perspective. Like she is a college football fan, but she also is writing from the perspective of this is a flawed game, right? Um, with flawed elements. She's a professor. It's a well-rounded view. It's not just yes. blasting football or just you know not or being blind to part of it. It is. Yeah, she's very well-rounded, very funny, very intelligent. Um, I. I adore tribal, and that um, that is going to get my my. Vibe. All right, that's fine. I can go along with that. Oh, you're gonna go yeah. along with I it. I can go along with that. I really that is a hedge for me. So. All right, okay. Underground Railroad or Gentleman in Moscow? Mm, I know very little about Gentleman in Moscow. Uh, <laughs> I can't even say it. Gentleman in Moscow. Um, so I'm gonna go with Underground Railroad. Um, I haven't read it, but when you described it. Um, I thought it was a really interesting concept for a fictional work to kind of re-characterize what was going on during the Underground Railroad, but in a different way. It sounded like a, a neat concept to me. We've talked about the Underground Railroad a lot on this podcast because I read it and loved it. I think it's worth the hype. Um, a few episodes ago, I was talking about another book I read, Homegoing, and wondering if Homegoing or the Underground Railroad should have won the National Book Award. And now, after finishing Homegoing, as much as I adored it, uh, I really do still believe Underground Railroad was deserving of the National Book Award. And as much as my customers loved Gentlemen in Moscow, which for those of you who aren't familiar, Gentlemen in Moscow is by Amor Tolls, who wrote Rules of Civility, which I adored. Um, Rules of Civility was a quick... Um, well-written but fast book. Gentlemen in Moscow is well-written but a little bit more, I think universally my customers have said you've got to kind of power through um, the first 50 to 100 pages. And then when you do, you love it. Um, Underground Railroad, though, to me is almost verging on work of genius. And hmm. I think if... That's you, high praise it, from Annie. It is, it is high praise, but I stand by it. Like The hype and the attention the Underground Railroad received is so worth it. And again, as much as my customers have adored a gentleman in Moscow, I'm going to have to say Underground Railroad. All right. Okay, this next one is going to be difficult for me. I don't know if it'll be difficult for you. Um, Fates and Furies by Lauren Groff or All the Light We Cannot See by Anthony Doerr. I'm always intrigued by a story about marriage and also seeing it from two different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um and there's another, well, there's there's another story or book on kind of on the tip of my tongue that I can't think of right now. And if I do, I'll I'll mention. I think it may just be on the tip of my tongue. But um, but I would lean towards Fates and Furies. What? But what, what do you think? Okay, so I'm gonna write that you put Fates and Furies. I am actually gonna vote for All the Light. Yeah, you liked that one. Um, here's the thing. I love Fates and Furies. If you haven't read that one, um, I think you should. I think it's again. These, these literary works of fiction are just my genre. Like, I love these types of books where they're well-written, well-thought-out. Um, Fates and Furies does alternate and tell two sides of a marriage story, and I love that cause, because you're right. We don't often get—I don't feel like we get well-done literature about right. marriages often. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, especially in movies and in lighter books— 
the story kind of stops when the mm-hmm. marriage begins. Um, right. So anyway, I appreciate Lauren Groff, and I love what she did with Fates and Fury, Furies. And I know Hunter, who's one of our listeners, and he's been on the podcast many times, he is probably like shaking his head vehemently right now because he adored Fates and I Furies. I got you, Hunter. I got you back right here. But I liked All the Light We Cannot See. And my staff, I know, here's a bookseller confession for you. That book has been on the New York Times bestseller list for years, like Years, plural, since it came out. Customers ask why it's not out in paperback yet. It's not out in paperback because publishers know it's still selling in hardback. Mm. Um, My staff is sick of selling this book because we're ready to, like, promote other really great books. Mm. And still customers come in asking for all the light we cannot see. But I don't want to be one of those people who dismisses a book because it's been hyped too much. Like. One of those people who's like, oh, I can't like this anymore because too many people like it. Well, in this one, it sounds like there's a reason. It is. It, it, it's, gosh, it holds up. It holds up, and it it's just this powerful. I don't even like a ton of historical fiction, but the way it approaches World War II and shows us two different sides of that awful, awful war um, and makes it personal and meaningful and beautiful. I, I remember reading this book. I remember sitting on our couch. like I remember where I was reading it, thinking... I don't want this to end. And it was long. Like, it was long, mm. but I wasn't ready. I thought it was so powerful. So I'm going to vote for All the Light We Cannot See. Excellent. And before we move on, the, the book that was on the tip of my tongue is Behind Her Eyes, which oh, I don't even know. Is that have, out yet? It is. It just came out. I did the advanced um, audio copy of that, and that is a fantastic um, read about a marriage told from... More than one perspective, more than two perspectives. Oh, um, so that that's the one that was triggering in my mind. So just FYI, that's a shout out. Excellent. Didn't make the bracket, but honorable mention, play in game <laughs> behind her eyes. All right. Man called Uva or me before you? Yeah, I don't get how you get Uva from that. I'm, I'm sorry. sure you're right. Okay, we have called it Ove, but then somebody listened to the audiobook and it is apparently pronounced Uva. Well, it's Swedish, right? Yeah. And so Uva, I just think about grape because it says Spanish. So if we have any Hispanic <laughs> listeners, Uva, I get you. Grape. Why is it a man called Grape? But it's apparently Swedish. I like, uh, notwithstanding my joke or attempted a joke, mm. I, I, I like the idea of a, curm- or of a curmudgeon. Um, and then seeing what really is underneath that exterior, it's kind of like it harkens back to the um, the movie Up. Aww. It's like you see this man who's a curmudgeon, and why is he yelling at kids, and why is he mean? But then if you see his backstory, hmm, you know I understand that. I get it. You're you would love Man Called Uva. I'm like I know. You don't always, you're not always drawn to a ton of fiction, but you would really like that one. Mm. That's one, that's a book that I read with my book club. I know we've talked about it a lot on this podcast, so I won't go into too much detail. But um, when I read it with my book club, I thought, ugh, this is going to be like a Hallmark movie. Blech. Is that going to be me when I grow up? No. Uva? No, I don't think Ove. so. Ove. Um, okay. Harry Potter and the Cursed Child versus the After Party. This is the weirdest matchup we have, and I apologize for that, but these were like my two outliers, and I didn't know who to pit them against, so they are now pitted against each other. I'm going to have to... I I know you weren't a huge fan, right, of the J.K. Rowling's last effort, but I just got a Gryffindor tie. Um, We just got back from Harry Potter Potter World. World, (laughs) And I I realized that I'm, I'm squarely in Gryffindor. And um, and so I'm going to have to go with Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. 
And I'm actually going to agree with you there only because I loved the after party, but I actually preferred um, Anton Disclafani's first book, Jan Alassi Writing Camp. So if you've got to read mm. one, I would pick that one, although after party was perfectly delightful as well. Um, I just really adored her first book. I'm going to pick Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. I don't love that J.K. Rowling, I personally as a reader don't need a ton of follow-up information, and J.K. Rowling is really mm. good to her fans, and so frequently tweets new details or writes these little blurbs for Pottermore. I don't need all that. Like, I left Harry and Ron and Hermione where I wanted to leave them. That being said, I really liked The Cursed Child because it was written as a play. Um, mm. And J.K. Rowling contributed to that, but she did not write it. Um, and I thought it was, like, really well done fan fiction, and mm-hmm. I'm totally okay with mm-hmm. that. So I'm also... It didn't pretend to, like, to be something that no, you didn't want it to be. No, so yeah. I'm going to say Cursed Child as okay. well. Okay, here we go. Um, present over perfect versus when breath becomes air. I think um, we both know. Yeah, you know what I'm going to say. When breath becomes yeah. air, for sure. Alexander Hamilton versus Tribal. <sighs> mm. I, you know, I, I get these are probably equally good books, but uh, it's hard for me to go against a founding father. I'm, I would say Alexander Hamilton. I don't know what you would say. I'm going to say Alexander Hamilton okay. as well, just because of its universal appeal. Yeah. Um, although, for those of you who live outside our region, mm-hmm. I still think tribal would be really fascinating Absolutely. to you. Um, Very important. It's really funny. And yeah, I, I think it's important. Underground Railroad versus for you, Fates and Furies, and for me, All the Light Becomes. I'm eager to see what you're going to say. I will go with Underground Railroad. Here. Me too. That's yeah. what I'm going for. I I um, loved All the Light We Cannot See, but I... There's something about Underground Railroad that... You had a blue chip matchup there in the Elite Eight, and someone had to lose. That's right. All right. Man Called Uva or Cursed Child? Uva, I just feel like I want to say Uva. Like, I just can't <laughs> help it. Um, Man Called Uva or so Cursed Child? something Wally would say Uva. Mm-hmm. Or, no, the the um, the female robot. I forget her name. So, mm-hmm. Uva. Um, what do you think? I've been I've been picking That's a lot another of tough matchup, but I am going to go with Uva because of the book club appeal. I can go along with that. The book club vote. I feel like my book clubs in Thomasville yeah. universally adored that book, and my book clubs all read very different things. Um, and I'm not saying my book clubs. I mean like the bookshelves yeah, book sure. clubs. You got a consensus. Yeah. Okay. When breath becomes air versus Alexander Hamilton. When breath becomes air is the. Most important book I've read in the last year, and Alexander Hamilton, yeah, it was fantastic. But I'm going to have to go with When Breath Becomes Air. I'm going to agree with you because I haven't finished Alexander Hamilton, so Fair I enough. feel like I can't vote for that one. All right, Underground Railroad versus Man Called Uva. I think. I think we. Both I think know. we agree. Yeah, Underground Railroad. Underground Railroad. Yeah. All right. This is exactly kind of well. It, it's not necessarily what I predicted, but I think you knew those were the two heavyweights. Because, interestingly, our bracket has wound up with a fiction, best-selling mm, title, right. National Book Award winner, right. When Breath Becomes Air, nonfiction, yep. best-seller, yep. Um, award winner. Yep. Um, I know what gets my vote, yeah. but I know I think I know what gets yours. Uh, yeah, I think we know what gets each other's vote. Okay. For me, it's When Breath Becomes Air. And for me, it's Underground Railroad. Right. And I think that basically is our sensibilities. I think, mm, I think yep. you're a nonfiction guy. 
and I'm a fiction That's fair. Girl. That's fair. Generally speaking, I think That's we fair. both definitely read outside those boundaries. Yep. But for me, the books that move me yes. are typically fiction. That's right. And for you, the books that typically move you are nonfiction. That's absolutely right. You've picked out some fantastic fiction books for me in the past, but you're right. I read fiction for enjoyment, and I read nonfiction to move me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I think that was a really good... Well done, Chris. Thank you for our top... Thank you for our sweet 16. Um, because I think we actually had some really good matchups to mm-hmm. discuss. So we're going to put this particular bracket on our social media. We're going to get you guys to vote. So like my and Jordan's picks are just my and Jordan's picks, but we actually are going to want to see what readers think. So starting this week, we're going to start pitting these books against each other all throughout March um, to get... Uh, the bookshelf's like best book of 2016. So in my mind, the bookshelf's best book of 2016 was Underground Railroad. And in your mind, When Breath Becomes Air. Is that fair? That's fair. Even though... But they both made our finals. That's right. And and we I know it's March 2017, but we're kind of looking back over the past 12 yeah. months. So throughout this month, I want you to follow us on Instagram at bookshelftville and cast your vote for these titles so we can kind of figure out where readers stand and if you guys agree with us or not. I think that'll be really fun. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for being on the podcast. Never a dull moment. I loved it. Never a dull moment. Um, You can find full episodes of From the Front Porch on iTunes or on our store website. That's www.bookshelfthomasville.com. And you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at bookshelfteagle. We would love if you love the show, please write us a review on iTunes. We have loved getting some of your reviews and we are so close to hitting the 50 mark, which may not be a big deal to some people, but to us it's huge. So if you are the 50th person to cast a review of um, on iTunes of From the Front Porch and you leave your username, we will send you a little bookshelf care package. So this is some incentive for you to go to iTunes and rate or review us, um, give us a star ranking and let us know what you think. Let us know how you, how you enjoy the podcast so that we can kind of spread the word. So you can do that on iTunes. Um, and as usual, thanks so much for listening. We will see you guys next week.